Good evening and welcome to Matters of Life. I'm your host, John Lucier, and I'd like to thank each and every one of you for joining this episode and for continuing to stand for righteousness and justice. I have a very special guest in the in this episode with me. My blessing from the Lord, my lovely, wonderful wife, Kamisha. Thanks for joining me, honey, and welcome well, to the show. Well, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here, and thank you for all those lovely compliments. Oh, <laughs> I appreciate it. You're welcome. It's all the Lord. Amen. But, um, I will say this. So we are going to continue our discussion on the title of the episode, right? This will be a part two, if you will, of the question, will this generation hear from the Lord? Okay. And and just to catch you up to speed there, honey, honey, I know we kind of talked offline a little bit, obviously, as we mm-hmm. do often, but um, <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> so we do. Uh, but we were talking uh, about the different generations. Uh, when I grew up, I heard that many say, "Oh, it's the Joshua generation," and I've heard even some of the prophets of late, or very notable prophets within the last decade or so, talk about this is the Elijah generation. Mm-hmm. So we looked at both the Joshua generation as they entered into the promised land, mm-hmm. even though the focus was on the Elijah generation and where he went and traveled and at the end of his, his ministry prior to Elisha mm-hmm. picking up the mantle. And then even now New Testament or then New Testament, with John the Baptist, who Jesus confirmed and said, if you can handle it, this is Elijah. He who has in here, let him hear what the Spirit, so he didn't say the Spirit, but he who has in here, let him hear, is what, mm-hmm. is what Jesus said. Mm-hmm. And it's important for all of us, because that's, that's where we are at in this time and in this season. If he was on the banks of the Jordan River, or River Jordan, and it's a, it's a choosing time. And that choosing is so vital. And, and, it's, in, it's vital for each individual. Every individual person has to make the choice for themselves. Amen. Then collectively, we as a generation, those that have made that choice, that for the Lord, they'll stand. Mm-hmm. That's it. He's, he's our God. We're his people. And in his structure, he's our heavenly father and we're his children. Then collectively, mm-hmm. it, it allows the Lord... I'll say more freedom, more or access through his servants to carry out his glory throughout the ends of the earth. Amen. To be the the change, if you will, mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. So so this episode, I'd like us to continue, I'll say looking at that choice. And this is kind of if you if we will map out where we're gonna go here in the future. We're gonna look at the choice from the Joshua generation. And understand, and I mean the end of the Joshua generation. And then how do we, as, a, as individuals, but also as a people, as a generation, for the Lord, move forward and become, I'll say, the difference maker. If you will, we look through the entirety of Scripture, there, is, there are these people, these prophets, these servants of the Lord. Mm-hmm that stood out and stood apart from seemingly everyone. Mm-hmm. 
right? The the Moses, the Elijahs, the Joshuas, the Davids. The, mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like they're mm-hmm. these servants. So the Lord's like, no, that that's my servant, right? Mm-hmm. The Ezekiel's, the mm-hmm. Isaiah's, all those mm-hmm. that many of them listed in the in Hebrews eleven, the great faith chapter, or heroes mm-hmm. of the faith mm-hmm. chapter, right? What was the reason that they stood out? Mm-hmm. So, because then there is also a key on how we can, I'll say, enter into that and become what the Lord is looking for. So, if we could, let's start with Joshua chapter 24. And we're going to look, actually, I'll, if you want, I'll read and then I'll, let, I'll open it up to you first. To discuss kind of some of the points there. You're just going to put me on the spot, honey? Uh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> okay. So we're going to read from Joshua, in Joshua 24, verses 14 through 20. It says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth, and put away the gods which your father served beyond the rivers and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve whether the gods which your fathers served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt, from the house of bondage. And who did these great signs in our sight, and preserved us through the way in which we went, and among the peoples through whose midst we passed. The Lord drove out from before us all the peoples, even the Amorites who lived in the land. We also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. Then Joshua said to the people, You will not be able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgression and your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will then turn and do you harm and consume you after he he has done good to you. So there's a lot in there. Mm -hmm. And the conversation takes many turns. (laughs) Of course, he's talking about the goodness of the Lord and all the things that the Lord has done. But then he, he, like I'll say his predecessor, Moses, whose, I'll say, role the Lord selected him to fill. Mm -hmm. Joshua, that is. uh, The role that Joshua was selected by the Lord to fill. He gives the people a choice, or he tells them to choose. Mm -hmm. But then he changes, well, I'll I'll say, the conversation changes as a response of the people. Mm -hmm. And then there's some harsher words at the end and some some further instruction, some admonishment, some reproof, and and you could argue even a, even a warning or a rebuke of the people. But I, I want to pause there and give you the opportunity to share some of the things that um, the Lord is highlighting to you. Okay, sure. Well, uh, when the Lord spoke to me about this, he's, he highlighted to me back in verse 18, where they said, we also will serve the Lord, mm-hmm. for he is our God. And the Lord really brought out that word also also right or two yes right and so i look back like that someone else joined the conversation i was like you know just looking (laughs) looking back over what 
happened. And then I was I, I was curious and asked the Lord, well, why did Joshua respond with them, respond to them by saying, you cannot serve the Lord? I thought, well, didn't they give the right answer? They they answered they, right. They started saying, yes, we'll, right, we'll serve right, the Lord. Right. It, it sounded like they were saying the right thing, but the way Joshua responded to them by going, nope, nope. You can't serve the Lord. <laughs> My Bible says you cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. Mm-hmm. Uh, he will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. And I was like, wait, we totally went off course with that. Why did this happen? And what the Lord brought to my attention was that they used the word also, as in not like you were doing, Joshua, uh, because clearly they were having a different conversation, mm-hmm. but they were saying, we'll include the Lord in serving our other gods. We'll add him to the list. We won't exclude him totally, but we're we're going to add him and we won't forget about all the good that he's done to us. And that's why he came back and said, he's a jealous God, because that's a, a, a take back, if you will, a callback to when the, the commandments were given. <laughs> the very first commandments. It, exactly. You have no other gods before me. Exactly. and And saying that, he is one. Mm-hmm. The Lord your God is one. And again, you'll have no other gods before him. So they were saying, we'll include God in who we worship. And he was saying, you have to worship him solely. And <laughs> they were on two separate wavelengths. And I just want to touch back here for a second where he talked about in verse 14, um, how their fathers, um, of verse 14, it says, put away the gods with your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt, serve the Lord. And if you um, jog back to um, chapter 24, verse 2, when you have a moment, the Bible references Terah, who was Abraham's father, and mm-hmm. Nahor's, who's Abraham's brother. Mm-hmm. And Tehor was actually the, I mean, sorry, Terah was actually the one who left um, left Ur of the Chaldeans initially going to the land of Canaan. Clearly the Lord had called him, but he failed to go the rest of the way of the journey and decided he would stop and then took additional gods. Being And you can know this by the fact that when Abraham's uh, son of promise, when Isaac mm-hmm. got older and it was time for him to be given a wife, he said, don't find any women around here. Go back, go to my brother's house mm-hmm. and get a wife there. Gave specific instructions, right? And even when Jacob, which would be Abraham's grandson, yes, um, was sent away because he had stolen the blessing and he was on the run from his brother, he went back to the same family and they knew who God was. Amen. And they still worshiped other gods beside him. And it's interesting you bring that because we were discussing that last week with these places uh, that Elijah traveled to. Uh, he went... From Gilgal to Bethel to Bethel to Jericho to the Jordan River, mm-hmm. but at each of those places, uh, especially Jericho and Bethel, mm-hmm. their idols were buried at various spots. Mm-hmm. They they were like each of those individuals that you just mentioned, with except for Terah, right? But Jacob and and all those, they got rid of their idols. Mm-hmm. So that that's vital to this. You see this pattern over and over with each generation. There has to be, a, and that's for, for us today, there has to be a choosing. And in that choice, there's a putting away of anything and everything that's not the Lord, not of the Lord, and is designed and intended to distract you or steal you away 
from mm-hmm. the Lord. Absolutely. And one of the things that's missing here, though, is they put it away, they buried it, but they didn't obliterate it. Right. They didn't destroy it from amongst their, their midst. They kept it in their heart. They put it in a secret place. Mm-hmm. When you bury something in the ground, what, do you, what is that for? You just mark it on the map and go back and get it later, <laughs> right? Ho- well, hopefully not, but yes. <laughs> but that's that's one of the things of burying it. That's what it's for, just pres- mm-hmm. to preserve it and to keep it. As opposed to destroying it. As opposed to destroying it. Mm-hmm. making Turning it to ash, making it nothing, right? Which is what happened when they made the golden calf. It was destroyed, right? Mm-hmm. It was burned to powder, to ash. Well, and the golden calf, but then also even the thing that the Lord... Uh, used, which was the bronze serpent, mm-hmm. right? That people began worshiping it, mm-hmm. not the Lord who gave it, if you will, to help the people that they could look up to as a type and shadow for Christ. Mm-hmm. They started worshiping that, and that's when the prophet came and said, nope, we're going to ground this thing down to powder, and he called it Nahashte, which is a piece of brass, mm-hmm. and destroyed it so it could not be put back together. Exactly, and that's designed to remove it from the heart. Exactly. So not hide it somewhere to come pick it back up later. So um, looking back at the generations, Terah, um, Nahor, who um, Rebecca is his daughter, yes, and then Laban is her brother. That's who Jacob interacted with. But they all knew who God was, so that means they all knew better, but they chose not to become 100% his. They chose not to um, put away from them every other God and solely worship the true and living God. So that that heart condition there, you know, as a as Christians, sometimes we'll allow ourselves to indulge and entertain other things that we rely on and we use as a crutch or to be our our other God, our fallback God, our um, plan B if you will, in case the the real God doesn't work out, I'll have this other plan over here. I just can't let all this go and go cold turkey and just be all in 100% for Jesus Christ. And they may not articulate it to you in those ways. They, you know, like most serious Christians wouldn't let that come out of their mouth, but their heart is what God looks at. And he's asking for us to choose him only. And serve him only, which is what he said to Abraham. That's, that's a distinguishing factor. He said, now get all in, Abraham. Amen. <laughs> but he's saying that to, to everyone. He literally says that to every one of his servants. Amen. I mean, what do you say about David? He has a heart after me. What do you say mm-hmm. about, about Jesus? Even in the Old Testament, the zeal for the Lord's house, for his father's house, had consumed him. Mm-hmm. Well, is that how we're living our lives? Mm-hmm. Has it consumed us? Right, where well, you have even, well, Moses and Joshua and mm-hmm. and there are other elders and, and whatnot that are, were part of mm-hmm. Israel, but then, well, under, well, as a result of Balaam's teaching, mm-hmm. they fell away mm-hmm. and joined themselves with women from Midian. And then Phineas went and slaughtered one because it was so blatant and so just in everyone's face. And and it wasn't because they were from a different people group. 
It wasn't about that. It was because they worshipped other gods. It's because they were um, defiled with idolatry, sexual perversion, immorality, witchcraft, ungodliness. Mm -hmm. And they partook of an abomination by joining themselves with them and by that took up their... um, the knowledge that these Midianites had of sin, they joined themselves into that harlotry. Exactly. So God is not about separating different peoples, because if you read through the word, you see Abraham was not a Jew. Oh. Right? <laughs> he, <laughs> he was from, from Ur of Chaldea. Exactly. Same with Terah, um, right? But he wasn't, he wasn't a Jew until he believed what the Lord said about him. And that wasn't until Jacob that he changed his name to Israel. And then, you know, if you track that down, and even Balaam was used by God and he was not a Jew. And it wasn't until Balaam severed his relationship with the Lord Mm -hmm. that God put him away. And then you can see in Revelation what he says about that. And if you keep reading in Numbers um, chapters 23, 25, you'll see what happened um, to them and what, what was the outcome of that. But... In all things, God is asking for a heart. And you said something at the opening that um, I wanted to touch on really quickly as well. Please do. Um, Joshua called a group of people to him, and we were talking about the generation. Mm-hmm. And even in the rest of this chapter, it talks about what these, this generation did, and then the generation after them, if you read on into Judges, it talks about what they did, um, and how these, one, these remained and these other ones didn't. But... Each of us has to make an individual choice Amen. for Jesus Christ. And I can't, sometimes we think of it in terms of we'll choose as a group and no. then we'll come. <laughs> right? But that's not what the Lord is saying. He was like, you choose as an individual. And as you go, you'll look up and see that other people I have called to myself and they have said yes and they will join you. And there you will find a group. Not because the group got together and said, what do you think about this? Let's, you're going to start a load? I'm going to start a load. What do you think about this? That doesn't work. That doesn't work because... It, it never works. <laughs> exactly. Look at the children of Israel in the wilderness. They could have entered, if you will, 40 years earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, that's an approximate number, right? But when the 12 spies came back, they could have entered then. But the people all got together and, and chose as a group. That's right. And their choice was in opposition to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And, right. and that wasn't the only thing. Look at Samuel. At the, at the beginning of Samuel, the people all got together, and ultimately their choice was they want a king. They want to look mm-hmm. like all the other nations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yes, they also used the excuses, if you will, or, or tried to justify mm-hmm. by leading with, well, Samuel, your, your children aren't even like you. Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. It's sounds your fault. good, right? <laughs> it's it's your right. fault. <laughs> or, or just saying, well, it's they're they're just not you. Mm-hmm. They're they're different. They're they're not all in, as it were. They're not a hundred percent committed to the Lord. They look like the rest of us, mm-hmm. if you will, like people that have not fully committed to the Lord, that mm-hmm. that have not chosen to just say what He says to say and do what He says to do. Him being our Father, and we being His children. Mm-hmm. So, but you see this time and time again throughout Scripture. Mm-hmm. But it looks the same for us. But if you notice, any time that, that people made the individual choice, even in those moments where people made an individual choice, Samuel said he was going to remain committed. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, the Lord will give you what you asked for, but this is right the thing, the, the consequences. And same with Joshua and Caleb. They remained committed to the Lord. 
And then the Lord put together people around that that had chosen him. Mm-hmm. It wasn't let's choose as a group. It was you make your individual choice. Demonstrate this to me. Mm-hmm. It's the Lord is what I mean by me. And I will put you all together. Amen. And that like that's how the Lord called us disciples. The Amen. disciples didn't huddle together in a group and go, what do you think about this man? I think I'm going to follow. What do you think about? Right. And then they came and said, hey, Jesus, we're going to be your 12. That's not, <laughs> not, <laughs> that's at not all. how it went. That that wasn't the interaction. The Lord called them one by one, mm-hmm. right? Even when they were brother groups, he called them one by one. Right. And they said one by one, yes, I'll follow you. And for the ones that did come in as a crowd, they went out as a crowd as soon as the Lord said something offensive, right? right. As in eat my, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And many of them stopped following him, following him because they didn't come for my I am choice, my mm-hmm. I will choice. They came for what do you think? It's and, convenient, it's trendy, it's all of those other things. Amen. And then even with the, the hard parts, the difficult parts, they left as a group when you fed the 5,000 and, and that whole scene played out, if you will, where they were hard-hearted, mm-hmm. which he doesn't address till multiple chapters later, but mm-hmm. he sends them on the boat together. Mm-hmm. They were an obstacle to the work and moving of the Lord at that time. So he had to send them away together and it's i find it very interesting that if that section of scripture is studied out it says as jesus is walking across the water to his next destination Mm -hmm. that it says very plainly and he was going to pass them by Mm -hmm. like that man that should be an eye-opening uh if you will or something that makes us examine ourselves like just the fact that that was even put in, those are the ones that were chosen. Mm-hmm. But they were, because they were in opposition, because they had hardened their heart to the Lord, he was going to pass them by. Mm-hmm. So if, if he would do that with them, mm-hmm. what's to stop him from doing that with us if we don't repent, humble ourselves, repent, turn and seek his face, mm-hmm. all right, and change our ways? Amen. Amen. And if you take a peek back in Joshua 24, um, verse 23, uh, Joshua says to them again, it says, Now therefore, he said, put away the foreign gods which are among you and incline your heart to the Lord your God, the Lord God of Israel. What are they doing with idols at this point? Right. Exactly. They literally just conquered the land. Well, most of it. They had come into the promised land, given, you know, everybody had their assignments. They um, had an inheritance. Right. And the crew that was assigned to fight with everybody else until they got their assignment had been released. Um, that was, I think, half the tribe of Manasseh, Reuben, and uh, one more tribe was with them fighting. And they had been released to go back to their side of mm-hmm. the Jordan. And... But yet they still had um, Gad, Reuben and Gad, and half of Manasseh. But yet they still had idols. Why? Why was that the case? How come they weren't 100% wholehearted into God? How come they weren't 100% wholehearted and, and deeply seated and rooted in that established covenant with the Lord their God at this point? Because they saw their parents perish. Right? They saw their parents perish, but they also saw what the Lord did. He brought them into the land, and they had all these victories, except for the 
the defeat at AI. Right, because someone had taken what? <laughs> some of the accursed things. <laughs> One of the accursed things, yes. Gold and um, some Aren't other Aren't idols stuff accursed things? Absolutely. But, but you, as we were just pointing out, they hadn't, didn't have all the land yet, right? Because there were still Manasseh and, uh, in the north, or is it Ephraim? Uh, I don't recall off the top of my head. I'd have to study that out a little a little more detail. Yeah, there were still some spots to take over, but everybody they had needed, their inheritance at this point. They had a, an inheritance given, mm-hmm. but it wasn't the full. There was still more land. That they could have spread out to. But let, mm-hmm. So let's recognize that. They stopped as a whole and are now saying, choose this day whom you will serve. As there are idols, he has to encourage them to put away their idols. Hmm. So do we, I hope the listeners, uh, I believe the listeners are, are getting this, but us understanding that when we allow other things in our life, other gods, other idols, whatever it is, it limits the moving of the Lord in, in fullness. Amen. It hinders us. And, and, and we're the ones that suffer as a result. And if, if there's a quick moment, I wanted to just share Please. kind of a testimony of this and, and, I was, um, if some of you might know, I work in the medical field and um, in critical care areas. I had a patient whose um, child was, had had a traumatic experience and was on a ventilator. And all of my coworkers were like, oh, he's a Christian. You've got to talk to this guy. Man, he's so spiritual, et cetera, et cetera. And initially, um, you know, instantly the Holy Spirit was like, ah. Eh. <laughs> Wait a second. A little check in your spirit, honey, honey? Just a little bit. <laughs> and I'll say just the, you know how the Lord is. He makes it known, things it known to us. So I go over and, you know, I'm uh, just loving as I am with all of my, my families and patients that I, I see. And I'm looking around and just as I walked up, the Holy Spirit was like, you know, be on your guard and, and look, observe. Look mm-hmm. around you. So I met the family and I was like, oh, hi. You know, they're they're very, um, very nice and gentle natured. And I, I go around to look at their ventilator because that's that's what I do in my profession. I manage ventilators. Um, that's one of the main things that I do. And on top of the ventilator, there's all of these little things. They look like chess pieces. And it's dark <laughs> because it was, you know, it's just dark in this area um, at this time of day that I was there. And the Lord told me what it was before I actually got to lay eyes on it. He said, they're idols. Mm-hmm. And I looked closely. There were all these different statues of different gods from the Indian. Um, all the different religions. All the different religions. They had Buddhist stuff. They had, I mean, Indian stuff. Mm-hmm. They had all kind of different things. I mean, and there was probably 10 or 12 of them, little statues, little, little silver statues sitting on top of this child's ventilator. But in their language, he told me he was believing God for the, the baby's healing and restoration. Mm. But then I look over and I (laughs) got a, a ventilator full of idols. And I knew that man wasn't a Christian. That man wasn't a believer. His heart was not 100% sold out to God. It was a, it was a Paul situation. (laughs) <laughs> you have statues for every every other god that do, that doesn't even exist. Uh, amen. <laughs> and he had. But, but here's this this other god that you don't know about, right? They're they're pillars of the unknown god, yeah. which is 
where he used that, or as the Lord led him, mm-hmm. as an opportunity to witness to them. Right, and the, the parent proclaimed to know God, mm. right? Even, I mean, had Christianese lingo. <laughs> if you're persuaded <laughs> by that sort of thing. He had the lingo, the lingo going. But, the buzzwords. Yeah. But when I looked, and what the Holy Spirit said was, look, if you know that the Lord is your God, if you are 100% on his side, mm-hmm. if your heart is sold out to him, why do you need to have a backup to figure Amen. out which one is going to work? I remember even a part in this movie, this man, he has a, like a bunch of necklaces on and a mummy's going to get him. And he starts holding up all the, all the different symbols <laughs> and praying in that language of whatever that particular God was, trying to figure out which one was going to ward off the 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 monster the mummy that was coming to get him and finally he picked up the the hebrew um the star of david and mm. then the the monster stopped and and rolled away because he understood the the hebrew language and i was like i'm looking at this in real life but that's a a, a clue for us to dig deeper into our hearts and see are we that generation that one who is a part of a generation, not waiting for other people to think Mm -hmm. it's cool, not waiting for someone else to think it's trendy. Are we that one that's saying, God, I'm all yours? I'm 100% in the Lord's hands. I'm all yours, Jesus. Mm -hmm. There's no other God before me. Not the God of me or I, not the God of (laughs) whoever, not the God of Your own thoughts, feelings, emotions. Not the God of um, the news, not the God of a person, not the God of anything else, but I'm all yours, Jesus Christ. Command me. Tell me what it is that's on your heart, what you desire, and what pleases you. Amen. It's a lot to, for us to examine on, on ourselves. Is there anything in there? And, and for the listeners, this is a question we ask ourselves, or we ask often in this family. Is there anything in your life that you're doing, or in your life, that if the Lord was standing right here in front of you, that you would change. Mm-hmm. And the, the things that come to your mind are those things that you need to, I'll say, destroy. Get those idols that, right, <laughs> to uproot from your life and replace them with truth, which is the Lord, which is the word of God, mm-hmm. which is Christ. Amen. There, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. Amen. That's how we stand for righteousness and do justice. Mm-hmm. That That is the measuring line. As part of the plumb line for the Lord, which is part of his will, his plan, his covenant, and his purpose. Will we enter into that? Will we allow him to be our father and will we remain his children? We were looking at this Joshua generation, and they had seen all these great victories that the Lord had given them. Mm-hmm. But here we are at the end, uh, if you will, of the book of Joshua, where Joshua is getting ready to, to live out his inheritance and in the land that, that the Lord had given them and given them through, through work. Right? They, they had to do stuff. They had to put in effort. They had to be diligent to the Lord and to mm-hmm. do his plan. But he gave, he led them from victory to victory as long as they did that. But here it is that they are also are choosing. Are they going to remain with the Lord or are they going to go their own way? Mm-hmm. And clearly there seems to be a hiccup here. 
Mm-hmm. And if you move to the next book, studying this out, you find that, well, clearly they didn't remain. Mm-hmm. So even a generation that was used as mightily as, if you will, Joshua's generation. Mm-hmm. It's not just of in the moment. It's not a, of past works of faith or past demonstrations of your faith. It's a relationship. This has to be active. We have to be moving forward in step with the Lord. Mm-hmm. and what he wants to accomplish. Amen. So there's a lot more that we have to get into on this, but we're going to pause there for this episode, and we'll pick it up again, talking about the topic. Is this or will this generation hear from the Lord? Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, honey, honey, for being a guest, and I look forward to continuing this conversation with you in the next episode. Me too. Thanks for having me, dear. Thank you. And for all the listeners, we love you. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening.